1: He's involved in a number of businesses.
0: He's a great role model. Telling it like it is, giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis.
2: This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And in the office with us, we have two common sense Democrats. No Republicans working on a Friday. I
1: don't understand it. Because, John, common sense Republicans don't work on Friday. They don't have to.
2: All right. Okay. <laughs> well, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg and former Governor uh, David Patterson in the uh, office with us. In the office. It's studio. Studio. With us. studio. And we have Dominic Carter, my co-host today. And uh, uh, and we have one great show for you today. And I understand we have some uh, things going on in Alaska.
0: Breaking news, WABC.
2: With us today is a former Assistant Secretary uh, of the Air Force, West Point uh, 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 graduate, uh, Ty McCoy. Ty, what the heck is going on up in Alaska?
3: Well, Katz and uh, David, Richard and Dominic, I think that uh, the U.S. has taken so much uh, bad publicity for uh, not taking out uh, this balloon across the U.S. Uh, as others had had. Uh, before and many other countries, that uh, some action was taken to bring it down, uh, despite uh, uh, desiring not to further aggravate the situation. But I think that uh, the American side has looked at what's happened and realized that. Well, the,
2: Congress uh, voted against Biden uh, for not taking it down, 419 to zero. I couldn't believe the uh, the vote.
3: Well, it, it's unbelievable, and I think what it is is that the this has backfired very badly on the Chinese who have been busy sending spy satellites, extorting Chinese students, putting CCP Chinese police stations, sending in fentanyl, seizing the South China Sea, engaging in many things, including a failure to restrain the North Korean nuclear program and uh, sending money to the Biden Center and many other things, but I think that the balloon uh, crystallized for everybody in their mind the uh really deep and aggressive intent and the very powerful forces behind the Chinese aggressiveness and it wakes everybody up as to uh, as the Japanese said after they attacked Pearl Harbor uh, Admiral Yamamoto uh, you have awakened the sleeping dragon and you will regret it
2: and they 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 woke uh, us and they regretted it
3: that's right that's right they they did the same thing this certainly was not Pearl Harbor, or a 9-11 attack, or attack uh, on Poland by the Germans, or uh, even an attack like the Russians on Kiev, but it it crystallized in a lot of people's minds who had not been awake to many of the things that the Chinese government has been doing and planning to do, has a tremendous amount of money and, and talent and people, very smart people, and of course most of the Chinese people are wonderful, and they're great friends, and they would like to have the kind of freedoms and the kind of uh, human treatment uh, that we get. But the people that run China are a very harsh, aggressive uh, group of people uh, to their own people, to other people that they conquer, the way they treat people. And uh, balloons are just one of the many spheres.
2: And, and this was just a, a, the Alaska situation. It was another balloon because nobody confirmed yet it was a balloon. But that's what you've heard from your sources.
3: Yes, yeah, so it was about 40,000 feet. It was lower level. Uh, it could have been uh, some something that uh, was mistaken. you know you have people including uh, drug runners, you have people using uh, balloons for for weather, for agriculture, for chasing fish uh, and and so forth. So it may have been that uh, this was uh, not a not a Chinese balloon. it could have been a more innocent balloon, but nobody uh, at this point uh, other than making sure it was unmanned wanted to to take a chance and so they they uh, took it out and I think there's going to be a lot more scrutiny and a lot more. Alerting as to things that are in our airspace because, as we know, uh, the Chinese have tremendous capabilities now, which they didn't used to have in their spy satellites. They also have uh, cameras on passenger planes. They can fly over critical sites using charter jets. They can use all of their drones that they manufacture and sell to collect intelligence. So, in a way, it's a little bit crazy that. They continued this balloon program, and so you have to ask, why did they do it? And part of it goes to just normal bureaucracy, is they had a balloon program. uh, People were getting paid. People were flying balloons. They were collecting intelligence, and all those people didn't particularly want to go out of business and out of work when all these other means of gathering intelligence were uh, added to the pile. So they just kept going, and I think they miscalculated badly and and so forth. But the the Chinese have a a great – uh, history. Uh, they used balloons uh, uh, and lanterns in the, the uh, 11th and 12th century. The Mongols used balloons uh, for uh, navigation and signaling in their attack on Poland in 1241. So balloons have been uh, used when they can and as they can. And in the modern era they, era, they started using them in the the late 1700s and 1800s for battlefield surveillance. So balloons are quite a have quite a history. And they have a place, and they are in, in an area between you know uh, sixty and one hundred thousand feet that are a lot of people classify as near space. It's not considered you know air airspace. It is sort of airspace, and it's not space. It's sort of a, an area that people are more and more defining as near space. And of course, there's competition and a certain amount of lack of regulation and a lack of laws and a lack of uh, questions on sovereignty in that near space area over different countries. And so that has been an area that is kind of a gray zone and the Chinese have been operating in it. Uh, We were actually attacked in the United States in World War II by the Japanese who sent uh, incendiary balloons uh, from uh, Japan uh, and some ships, I guess, into the United States uh, to set fires after the Doolittle raid on Tokyo. And And the balloons didn't do much good uh, in, in landing, trying to start fires in the United States because it was a very wet year, uh, but one family did stumble across in Oregon a a balloon that had uh, pyrotechnics and it exploded and killed them, as recorded. Uh, that there was an attack and there were uh, those casualties back as far as uh, World War II. Uh, ourselves on our side in uh, the area era, era around 1956, before we had developed the very good cameras and spy satellites. We launched about 450 balloons uh, over Russia and China for photographic uh, collection and intelligence services. So balloons uh, come, come I've and I've been used uh, very
2: often, and we don't, and we didn't, I guess, it, it reality finally hits. And uh, now we know uh, it, it's happening more than we know.
3: Yeah, they're not just building, you know, new islands and, and reefs in the South China Sea. They're they're sort of trying to build floating islands uh, if you would, uh, in certain imaginary ways, uh, in in, uh, in space over our head, and of course we have a great uh, space race on uh, now, more with the Chinese than we did uh, with the uh, Russians or the Soviets. Understand, uh, just Weinberg. Do you you had a
4: question, Ty. It's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. The yes, sir. the interesting thing I saw the other day, they've been doing this at least since twenty eighteen in other countries, for example, Vietnam, the Philippines, Japan. India. Uh, so they're using this in a comprehensive way. It's not just us. They're really trying with a drive for hegemony over that area of the world. They're moving there as well. And yet you've heard yep. nothing about that up until this recent yep. report.
3: No, it's interesting. It's it's like a, a, a well-kept secret that's really not a secret. Uh, you know, people have known about it. The, the Air Forces, the Allied Air Forces in different countries, uh, people have, have seen this. And I think a lot of people have sort of uh, uh, shrugged their shoulders a little bit in some of the countries because they said, well, uh, the the Russians, the Americans, the Chinese and and some other countries have satellites up there uh, looking down on us. So why worry about the balloons unless they they start landing and dropping explosives on us? So there's been a little bit of a, uh, you know, carelessness or incaution, if you would. So uh, but now I think we we see that even the, the, the refinement of sensors that can be hung from a balloon can give additional clarity and persistence and uh, updating uh, to uh, intelligence forces that are really at the top of their game.
2: Ty McCoy, former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for uh, your guidance.
3: You're very much welcome. It's great to be with you. You all have a great show. I love listening, and God bless you, and God bless America.
2: God bless you. And and now we have another surprise guest that just walked into the office uh, uh, in the studio, and, I mean, I said we had two common-sense Democrats. Now uh, Dick Morris just walked in, and, Dick Morris, I've lost track. Are you a common-sense Democrat or a common-sense Republican? What the heck are you?
5: I'm a book person know <laughs> <You're> what? <laughs> I, a boat person, one of those people that like escaped Vietnam and yeah. lives in a boat in the South China Sea, adrift between the parties. Um, actually, I'm where I've always been on the fifty yard line, but now that's in the end zone. The field has uh, uh, moved now, I mean, uh, to the left.
6: What
2: do you have on you? You know, uh, it's good to see you on a Friday. Uh, t- how do we say? It? TGIF, Dominic. Yes, Thank TGIF.
6: Yes, yes, yes. What do
2: you have on your mind?
5: Well, uh, I think that this balloon incident really uh, is speaks volumes about Joe Biden as president. Uh, we have to understand that any when a president does something on economic policy or domestic policy, it's the product of a huge number of inputs and conflicting forces. But foreign policy is something you do in your bathrobe as president. you're You're the president. You're the commander-in-chief. It's all yours. You can call in people that you want for advice. But basically, it's your doing. It's not Congress or anything else. And uh I mean, I've seen him who's been with Bill Clinton literally in his bathrobe when he makes decisions about this stuff. And um I think that it provides a rare view of a president in action or in inaction and gives you a real sense of what they like as people and as the president. And this is not an attractive portrait Joe Biden presented. And, when, and
2: tell us about, uh, his, uh, speech on, uh, the state of the, uh, of the nation. Yeah. What did you think?
5: Well, l- let me get to that in a sec. Kat. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to stay on this theme. The, the deal is that, uh, he reacted, he dithered when this balloon came out. He didn't know what to do. He had, he literally wouldn't shoot it down. He was told maybe shoot it down. He didn't. Um, he invented some crazy excuse that it's going to brain somebody in Montana. Uh, if we shoot it down.
1: Hey, Dick, yeah. they, you would have to have six military planes fly over Montana and shoot at the ground to kill anybody in Montana. Yeah. I know. There's just no one that lives there.
5: Yeah, I know. It's,
1: there's 15 it's, people live in Montana and two of them are senators. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> and one congressperson. That's right. Yes. <laughs>
5: um, but uh, but literally, it's, it was ridiculous. And he was on display publicly for being such a moron in the way he handled it, dithering, unsure, probably reversing himself 20 times. And then a second balloon, a second object comes on and he shoots from the hip. Literally. He didn't know it's Chinese.
2: Well, Congress voted against them four nineteen to zero.
5: Yeah. But when he shoots from the hip, he has no idea that it's Chinese. He doesn't know if it's Russian. Doesn't know it's a surveillance. Doesn't know what it is. He just, Goes and shoots it down because he's been so scarred by dithering about the previous. Behavior. So he's
1: overcompensating. Overcompensating,
5: yeah. yeah. And uh, and I think it it shows a a ridiculous lack of leadership, knowledge, and and an executive branch that isn't functioning very well. Now on his State of the Union speech, I'm more positive than many Republicans are uh, because I lived through the Clinton presidency. And in 1995 and 96, we would confront a divided Congress on the State of the Union. And um, in my first draft of the State of the Union speech in 96, um, Clinton told me I cut the budget deficit in half. It's going to be balanced soon. I've cut unemployment. We're going to have a great economy soon and all kinds of stuff that nobody would believe. And I pulled it and I said that nobody believed it. So he said, but it's true. It happened. The stats are there. I said, don't confuse me with the facts. They don't believe it happened. And if you predicate your message based on this, nobody's going to credit it. Nobody's going to believe that you did it. Now, as it happened, he did. But we didn't know that until several years later when the budget got balanced and the economy got recovered. But so the advice I gave him back then is to focus on small, little achievements Bite-sized achievements that were things that he could do and he could credibly say he had done, like family medical leave, like pro-choice judges on the Supreme Court, like uh, school uniforms, like anti-drug policies. we got one minute left for the break, so tell us uh, what you want to say. Biden is picking that up. He said that in a speech, insulin price cap, Uh, no – not letting banks overcharge you for the, for over That's
2: what happened back in the 80s, 90s when you were running things. Yeah. But then you know what happened? They, they, since the, the, uh, drug companies couldn't make it, uh, for the right price in America, they shifted over the, yeah. to China. But, and that created a bigger problem.
5: But my They're point is, crap. my point is a political <laughs> one. It's that he is, has now reduced what he's saying he's doing to bite-sized levels where people can believe it. And I think he'll have a traction about that that he has not had on any of the big and, issues. And what are you going to talk about Sunday on Sunday show? Well, that. uh And hopefully they'll give me a little more time than you have. No, if you want, you're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not leaving here so soon. You're, you're
2: welcome to stick around. We, but we have to take a break, and then we'll okay. come back with Larry Kudlow. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back with Larry Kudlow. And, and Dick Morris will probably stick around, because... He enjoys being here.
0: <laughs> A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC.
3: And
6: welcome back to Cats at Night with John Katsimatidis. I'm Dominic Carter sitting here alongside Mr. Katsimatidis. Also in studio, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, former governor david patterson and now we bring in the great larry cutlow mr cutlow good evening to you and now uh mr mr is uh going to pick up with the questions
2: uh larry cutlow i mean we've had some week up and down uh, like uh, like usual and the big question is uh last week uh uh oil was down to $73 i hate to keep bringing it up and now it's back up to 79 Goldman Sachs is is, is saying one hundred, and Russia today uh, made a statement that they're going to cut production because they want one hundred dollar oil. And my statement on Fox last week, it says if I get we get one hundred dollar oil again, my comment was, "Oh my God, here we go
0: again." Larry Kudlow, to you, you know, John, that stuff is really uh, it's a great. Point. It's really important point. Uh, oil is back to eighty dollars. Brent, European is is a five bucks higher. And you're right about Russia. Uh, they may they may cut off just as a threat. So you've got the State of the Union speech where the president basically gives oil ten years to live. Right? He says ten more years, which is just utter nonsense. And he goes and attacks big oil. You know, big oil's making money. Sure, they're making money. Uh, they're making money in part because prices are too high. And prices are too high is because the production is still down from 2019 pre-COVID. And all of his policies, as articulated in the State of the Union, continues the war against fossil fuels. And another point here, you know, $80, maybe it's going to 90 or 100 I don't know. Three dollars and 50 cents gasoline. Oil should be somewhere between 50 and 60 bucks, which is where it was during the Trump years. The price of gasoline should be slightly over two dollars. And the middle class is still suffering from this. Let's not forget. And refined petroleum products affect every corner, every nook and cranny of the American economy. So you got a president that wants to end oil. In 10 years. And so, yeah, prices are high. They may go higher. And if they do go higher, we're going to have higher inflation. We're going to have higher interest rates. We're going to have lower real wages for the middle class. And we'll probably go into recession. So this is a very bad story. One thing leads to another, and the whole policy is bad.
2: I mean, I made a very bad joke uh, last week, uh, Larry. I said, uh, if Goldman is uh, is saying that uh, it's a hundred dollar oil, I said, how much was the fee from Saudi Arabia? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, well. Um, <laughs> no comment. I know. I, 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 that's <laughs> why.
2: That's why I prefix it as a joke. But you know how we feel about it.
1: Oh, Larry, I was dying to hear your response.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to let that one slide a little. bit. Yes. Let's okay. do. Let's move on. John, John, I will say this: nobody has a better handle on the uh, oil uh, prices and the inflation rate than John Katz. <laughs> You've been the last year or two have been phenomenal so i don't want to see it either look but again the policy is wrong and you had the president the whole world watches the state of the union address and all he does is attack big oil he wants to tax them he wants to control their profits and he wants to end uh Fossil fuels in 10 years. This is just utter nonsense. It's nonsense. Utter nonsense.
2: Larry, we can't, the country can't run on wind power and solar energy. I mean, it's a joke, and everybody knows it's a
0: joke. I mean, one of the things here, it's very interesting. We just had one of the best investment people on our show, Jeffrey Klein, uh, Klein Top. I mean, the guy's really are in, in the just the top uh, 1% of all these investment counselors. You know, you've got, interestingly, since the middle of October, the stock market has actually been rising. Some people believe it's a new bull market. Uh, we had um, Ed Yardenian earlier in the week, an- another guy who's at the top of the list for investment counselors. You know, So things aren't near as bad as many people feared, okay? And the recession arguments, I mean, you can go back and forth forever, soft landing, hard landing. But all I know is the stock market is saying things are not as bad as you think. Profits, which are the mother's milk of stocks, are actually coming in better than expectations. Some companies are losing money. I know that. And there's some job cuts going on. I get that, too. But the fact is, overall, it's not as bad. Stocks look like they're kind of coming back. This week, they were down slightly, but it's been okay. So I don't want to see an oil shock. An oil shock means an interest rate shock, means a Fed shock. That that means even though
2: Powell and David Rubenstein that I saw in Fox Business uh, says that uh, prices are starting to come down, an oil shock will just send us back into a very bad spiral.
0: I agree. I agree with all that. Look, you know, go back. Economic policies are still not good. Uh, David Patterson's party still wants to be the party of big government socialism. I'm sorry. I happen to love David Patterson, by the way. But, uh, you know, he's going to have to call Biden to straighten him out. And that State of the Union message was breathtaking in all of the proposals to spend and regulate and tax. I mean, you had an hour of that stuff. The good news is the stock market ignored it because the Republican House will make all that stuff dead on arrival. Now, what's going to happen with budget cuts and the debt ceiling remains to be seen. You're going to have a big fight about that in the months ahead. But the good news is, They will stop the bad stuff. And that's probably the only plus that I can see right now.
1: Larry, uh, the red wave wasn't as demonstrative as we thought it would be. I certainly thought it would be. But I kind of thought that maybe President Biden, sort of knowing that they dodged a bullet in the last election, would sort of, thinking about 2024, start to do some of the things that president Clinton did in 1995 after we took a bath in 1994. And I was surprised that he didn't. What do you think about that? Well,
0: it's a good point. It's an important point. Um, I'm not sure I was surprised, honestly, because Biden looks to be very stubborn and the democratic party itself is way to the left of where it was under bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was, you know, he, Bill Clinton had his flaws, but he was a very good politician. And um, he saw the handwriting on the wall, and he worked with the Republicans. I mean, look, Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich passed welfare reform, which was the greatest thing. Uh, You know, everybody said it wouldn't work. Turns out people went back to work, and it helped to balance the budget. The problem today is that they don't want any welfare reform. Government, he wants to expand government benefits. He won't put in work requirements, and he doesn't want to cut any of the budget. That's what this whole argument about you know Social Security and Medicare, it's a smokescreen. It's a distraction from the real argument, which is the GOP wants budget cuts in return for a higher uh, debt ceiling. Bill Clinton was a smarter politician than Joe Biden. All right? We'll see what the outcome is in 2024. It's too early to speculate. But I, I can't say I was terribly disappointed because, I mean, look, Biden, and then he goes to Wisconsin and he goes to Florida and he keeps harping on these entitlement programs. He's missing the point. The point is, work with Kevin McCarthy. Work with him. McCarthy has said he wants to compromise and we could get through this period and find shape. But Biden is uh, way too, he's way too stubborn for this. And, frankly, I think
2: he's on the wrong track. Uh, Well, uh, Larry Kudlow, we're going to be listening to you tomorrow between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock on WABC Radio. uh, And uh, 770 on your dial or on your iPhone, 77 WABC. And uh, we'll hear what other wisdoms you're going to tell us. Thank
0: you. Am I buying
2: or am I selling? I'll find out tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much, Larry. All right. Thank you. Uh, Let's take a break, and we're going to go to Lou Dobbs to talk about today's market.
0: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
6: Cats at Night with John Katsimatidis. I'm Dominic Carter. In studio with us, Judge Richard Weinberg, former Governor David Patterson. Coming up at 45 minutes past the hour, we will chat here on Cats at Night with former Deputy Assistant to the President, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. That's coming up at 45 minutes past the hour, about 10 minutes from now. But right now, we are joined by a lovely guest who, who advises us on everything medical and health wise. And that's Dr. Peter Mikolos. And, uh, Dr. Mikolos, thank you for joining us. And Mr. Katsimatidis is going to chat with you right now.
2: Dr. Mihalos, uh, it's Friday. It's, uh, uh, we're almost going home, and thank God it's Friday. What words of wisdom do you have for us to live longer?
7: Well, today it's Friday, so we're going to try to end it with some good news and positive news that the COVID pandemic seems to be uh, burning out and coming to the end, as we predicted, and some good news about a new vaccine by Novanax, which is a not an mRNA vaccine, but a traditional uh, protein vaccine that is now available and was authorized this past October and uh, it's a two-shot regime three uh, weeks apart and it basically injects spike protein into the body and uh, like the other vaccines that we have in the past, they take a piece of the surface protein of the disease and they basically inject it into your body and then you make antibodies and T-cells. So I think a lot of the people who have been anti-vaxxers with mRNA vaccines may choose the Novavax vaccine. The other good news is that we're seeing the country is ending the emergency officially on May 11th and also the Johns Hopkins University tracker, which has been one way that's been following all the data nationally. They're winding it down and closing it down. And what we're uh, seeing is what we've talked about in the past on Cats Roundtable about viral adaptive intelligence, that these viruses do have a form of intelligence and uh, These uh, new strains are better uh, in uh, invasion and uh, transmission, but they're less deadly because we've learned that these viruses eventually learn to coexist with us. Uh, They can't keep killing their hotel human host. And right now in the United States, the cases in the past two weeks have dropped. We're only seeing 40,000 cases in the United States a day and 460 deaths a day in the United States. Just a few months ago, we were doing 4,000 people dying a day, so it's down 16% just in the last two weeks and the hospitalizations are down 17% in the last two weeks. Doctor, tell me
2: about the death rate. The death rate is disappearing, isn't it?
7: Well, it's 460 deaths a day in the United States, which is a lot less than we were, you know, dealing with just a few months ago at 4,000 a day. So that's a big difference. And also now I think people are recognizing it. You know, if you catch it early, Starts with the headache, the sore throat, the runny nose. You know, you take the test and you get access to the antivirals, the molnupiravir, which has less side effects and the drug interactions than the Paxlovid or the Paxlovid. And you see your doctor, get it prescribed right away, and block the viral replication early on. The other thing is that we used to have those antibodies. The problem is that antibodies that were used, especially in immune compromised people like Edbushield and Biltelmovab, Don't really work against these new variants because the new dominant variant right now, which represents 66% of the case in the United States, is called the XBB 1.5, and then the 20% of this BQ 1.1. So these. Antibodies don't work against it, but the antiviral pills do. Just like with AIDS, 40 years later, we have no vaccine for that MR and for that, from that RNA disease, but we do have a cocktail of antivirals. So we're going to be seeing more combination cocktail oral antivirals for this and also to be used against severe strains of the flu and uh, the other thing that we're seeing which is good news is that New York City uh, ending its uh, COVID vaccine mandates for workers because we lost so many and I know personally police officers, physicians assistants and nurses who all fled to Florida and just packed up and left and uh, that that's hopefully going to stop so we start stop having this brain drain from uh, New York and uh, that's really what's uh, happening right now in the world of, of COVID. And eventually, like we said, these viruses will coexist with us, like the other 140,000 viruses that live inside our gut with us. And have become. And, uh, and right I,
2: I noticed that, uh, doctor, between me and you, because uh, we started to talk about this two, three years ago, and I said, is there an intelligence beside, behind these viruses? And we ignored that. But I had a, I had a feeling. So no, there, is, there so is some kind of
7: virus, intelligence. Yeah, the virus actually, when it sees an infected cell, it knows to move on and say, oh, he's already infected. Let me go find one that's not infected. So imagine that on, on the microscopic level, it actually knows which ones are infected and it knows to bypass and go find a healthy cell. And to me, I call it, I'm making up my term, called viral adaptive intelligence because these things are constantly adapting. And uh, it's just a fascinating world, and we're going to be learning more about this. Say but that word
4: again, viral. Viral Adaptive, adaptive Intelligence.
7: Intelligence. Wow. And wow. wow. I can't, I can't wait to read the book. I don't know about <laughs> it. I'll wait that for the movie.
1: It.
2: Dr. Michalos right. is making a book.
7: <laughs> it's all good. We're gonna, well, we're yeah. gonna, we just want to tell our audience how to live longer using science. And, and you're going to be on
2: uh, Sunday's show, and what are you going to talk about on Sunday show?
7: On Sunday's show, we're going to talk about the fascinating uh, hormone balance of our bodies, that we have 50 hormones in different or- organs and how in that balance, whether your uh, your thyroid's elevated, whether your insulin is too high, too low, your cortisol and all the different hormones and how they affect our functioning and how we live and uh, staying healthy, and we're really just a big bag of chemicals, I hate to tell you, but uh, basically (laughs) using diet, using medicines and supplements and vitamins, we learn how to balance that big bag of chemicals so that we can stay happy and healthy and keep our happiness levels high and keep listening to WABC so we can get smarter every day on all subject matter.
2: Thank you, Dr. Peter Mihalos. I'm waiting to hear what you're going to say on Sunday on the Cats Roundtable between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. And you're usually on the national edition between 9 and 10. And have a great weekend.
7: Thank you, and great to be with all of you.
2: Let's take a a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about things amongst ourselves. Uh, David Patterson has a few things that he wants to Get off his chest. And and then we're going to have Sebastian Gorka at the very end. So don't hang up. Like Curtis says, don't hang up. Wait to see you hear what Sebastian Gorka has to say. And uh, we'll be right back right after the uh, break.
0: You're commuting home with Cats at Night. Now here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC.
6: Cats at Night with John Katsimatidis. I'm Dominic Carter sitting alongside Mr. Katsimatidis in studio with us. Judge Richard Weinberg, former Governor David Patterson, standing by on the phone, former deputy assistant to the president, Dr. Sebastian Gorker. We're going to go to Dr. Gorker in just a second. But Mr. Katsimatidis, Governor, said that you had a few things on your mind. So let's get to it. What's on your mind? Well,
1: I was thinking about President Biden and that, it's his presentation, as much as his politics, that makes him so confusing. Yesterday, Dominic, you and I uh, interviewed Michael Goodwin from the New York Post, and he actually admitted that Biden's delivery in that speech was very good, and he even conceded to me that when Biden said that uh, there were Republicans who didn't want Social Security or Medicaid to be in in uh, uh, you know part of the budget anymore. And uh, the Republicans got upset. He said, well, I thought it was very few of them. And then he says, well, then we all agree. And he actually got them all to clap for him. That was very clever. It was very well done. But there have been very few incidents where that kind of thought, in other words, like a chess match, how you would goat your opponent into agreeing with you. And most of the time, it's been this idea that went back about a week and a half ago when he said... He wasn't even going to negotiate. This was to try to get, uh, you know, greater Democratic support. The problem I
2: had, David, was he was
1: being more divisive than cohesive for the nation. Well, when you say you're not going to negotiate, that's the only impression you can leave. I mean, I've always been ready to go after people who said they wouldn't negotiate. But, you know, usually it wasn't people I was supporting. (laughs) Uh, Judge Weinberg, any comment before we go to Sebastian
4: Gorka or Dominic? The man took the oath of office. He gave an inaugural address. He said he's going to bring the country together. He's done nothing in the last couple of years to bring the country together. He did not bring the country together with that speech. He attacked the Republicans with the the straw man that they're going to abolish or reduce Medicare and Social Security. That's nonsense. Then he pounds his chest – with respect to taking down the balloon a week after it's taken all the surveillance <laughs> that needed to take, a saying that he showed resoluteness and toughness. So I, they got to be kidding me that that was a great speech, Dominic.
6: I agree with what the governor and Judge Weinberg uh, just said. I want to know, Mister Katsimatidis, what his doctors gave him the day of the State of the State address, uh, State of the Union address, excuse me. It was one of his best speeches, but it was just rhetoric and. I, I just don't see, to be frank with you, I know we're about to go to uh Dr. Gorka. I don't see it, how he can be reelected. I I just don't see it. Well, the, the
2: Dick Morris uh, is going to talk about it on Sunday. Uh I understand there was a big article in, in the Hill newspaper that says if Joe Biden doesn't get the nomination, uh, who's in first place, who's in second place? And it happened to be uh Harris. Harris He's number 20- one. She's twenty five percent or something, yeah. and yeah, hi, and hi, Hillary hi. at seventeen.
6: That's ridiculous with Kamala Harris. I I don't know well,
2: who's. Well, why don't we pole. go to Doctor Sebastian Gorka? Fair
1: enough, and, I agree.
2: Uh, by the <laughs> way, I'd like to see
6: the debate between Hillary and uh, Harris. It would be some debate. It would be some debate. So we're joined now, as Mr. Castamitidis just said here on Cats at Night with John Castamitidis, by former Deputy Assistant to the President, Dr. Sebastian Gorker. Dr. Gorker, thank you for joining Cats at Night.
8: My pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for having me.
6: Well, tell us, you have a comment on
2: the state of the uh, union. Mm-hmm
8: yeah I, I I think I must have been watching a different uh, state of the union from what one of your guests was watching I mean it was an, it was an utter disaster if you come in uh, swearing that you're going to unite the nation and then you stand there in front of only 20 million that is the smallest number for any televised state of the Union since Nielsen ratings began but you you actually lie with bold face lies about the the GOP wanting to get rid of your Medicaid and your Medicare and Social Security H- how are you bringing the nation together and then and those and then those moments where clearly this man has cognitive issues when he he says words that nobody can understand and then like somebody with with Alzheimer's or dementia he rails and shouts at the teleprompter. That, that that peculiar moment when he said, and, and who wants to be replacing Xi Jinping? And he shouted it three times and you think, I mean, this is elder abuse. The, the fact that Joe Biden allows this man to stand there when he should be, you know, in an old people's home eating, eating oatmeal. It it, it tells you what the Democrat Party has become. It is a party of extremists and and meat puppets. And I dearly hope, I dearly hope that they're going to run him in 2024 or even better Hillary Clinton, because then my former boss can beat her twice.
2: Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, me and Dick Morris, we've been joking around. Uh, It might turn out to be true. Trump versus Hillary Clinton round two. Where's the bell? Ding!
8: It would be delicious. It would be delicious, and and you know she wants it. I mean, the statements she's been uh, making uh, clearly mean that she definitely, desperately wants it. I mean, if this is the the sweet irony of the situation that they've painted themselves into such a corner that an individual who couldn't even get two percent in the Democrat primaries is the next in line, Vice President Kamala Harris. Are they going to shove her aside? Is, is a black woman going to be shoved aside for a a, a white uh, a Establishment of politician like Hillary Clinton, or are we going to have a fair primary on the left? I mean, you know, I'm in favour. As an immigrant to this country, I don't like anointed. uh Nominees, all of those people who say can't be Trump, it's got to be DeSantis or anybody else. Let's have let's have a primary. I mean, it was so much fun. I mean, one of the things we have to be so grateful to President Trump oh. for is in twenty fifteen, with what seventeen people in the field, he made politics fun again. Wasn't that fun, John? What what happened? Well, he had sixteen
2: or seventeen knockout punches.
8: Yeah, but wasn't it fun?
2: Well, I, we we enjoyed uh, getting watching everybody getting beat up.
8: Yeah. I mean, look, this is it's like the, the, the choice for the speakership. I, I, I really don't understand. Even Newt Gingrich, the great Newt Gingrich, fell into this trap where they, they were horrified that it took us four days to discuss and vote on who should be a next speaker. I mean, seriously, would most Americans notice if Congress didn't even sit for four months? I mean, I like that back and forth. I, I like that kind of more parliamentarian way of doing things. I like the fact that GOP showed some bloody backbone on Tuesday, and when he lied, they called him out for his lies. So, you know, if politics has become rather formulaic. The, the, the establishment, the, the deep state thinks they get to do things without really representing the interests of the American people. So whether it's the State of the Union, whether it's the choice, uh, the four days of the back and forth for Kevin McCarthy Speaker. There should be a little, a little bit of rough and tumble when it comes to representative, uh, Republican democracy. So ro- roll on 2024 and roll on the primaries on both sides of the aisle.
2: Yep. Uh, what do you have to say about uh, what's going on with the uh, with the balloon? And uh, I mean, Congress voted against them 419 to zero. When was the last time you saw a vote like that?
8: Yeah, with the balloon, this is – I mean, just the sheer idea that Biden yesterday says mission accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished for communist China – This vessel traversed our airspace from left to right across the diagonal of the nation, from Alaska to South Carolina. It hovered over some of our most sensitive sites, including our missile sites. Yeah, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished for Beijing. And after being caught with their pants down, what did they do? Oh, today they shoot a smaller balloon. In the air off Alaska. Well, why didn't they do that previously? Did they not know where it was coming from? It, it traversed completely uninhabited areas of the Aleutians, uh, Canada, Alaska. This tells you how feckless and amateurish this current administration is. I mean, the idea that a low tech, a, 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 a technology that has been around for 200 years, since Blerio, is allowed to traverse our airspace. Packed with signals intelligence equipment, and then they wait till it leaves our territory and shoot it down over the water. That makes it even more difficult to recover anything technologically that could be of intelligence of value. It, it tells you that we we are being run right now by a group of people that are. A, a I couldn't understand.
2: You got a balloon like that over our nuclear sites. Yes. And nobody does anything about it.
8: Yeah. And and, and to to hear, I mean, who knows if this is true, but allegedly Biden tells Milley on Wednesday to shoot it down. And he says, no, Mr. President, excuse me. What what do you mean? You're, You're not the commander in chief. Nobody elected you. And this is the same Mark Milley who said, who has admitted on the record that when President Trump was his boss, he called up General Lee in Beijing and said, oh, Oh, don't worry about President Trump. If he does anything militarily against China, I'll give you a heads up. That man should be in the brig. He should be in if, handcuffs and if, leg irons.
2: If he did that, he deserves uh, to be in the brig. He deserves, you know, who did they hang during the Revolutionary War? He deserves to be hanged because how can you do that?
8: Well, if you don't love America, if you're prepared to testify in dress uniform before the Senate, before the House, that uh, I don't know what critical race theory is, but I, I like that it's being taught at West Point. That's actually what this moron, this overweight moron said. And then he says... I'm white and I want to know what white rage is. It's a shame that uh, you know West Point wasn't studying Chinese surveillance balloons and not critical race theory instead. So th- this man is an affront to everything that the United States Army stands for and the fact that he's still in office as the most senior military officer in the United States tells you everything you need to know about uh, the state of Washington, D.C.
2: Well, uh, Sebastian, I love our country and and uh, I want I w- I want our country to survive. Uh, what say you, Dominic?
6: I agree with a lot of what Dr. Gorka just had to say uh, in terms of it points to leadership, uh, a lack thereof of leadership, and instead of focusing on race so much, let's focus on what China is doing uh, to find out about American insulation Governor Patterson?
1: Well, I just hope Dr. Gorka uh, reads a transcript of his own statements where he defended the parliamentary procedure when it came to electing a speaker and then condemned it when a president as they all do every year gets up and touts their great achievements and tries to make the other side look bad
8: not what I said but never mind
1: (laughs) Judge Weinberg
4: I'm a big fan of Dr. Gorka. Have a wonderful weekend, sir. Have a great weekend, uh,
2: uh, Dr. Gorka. And uh, what do we stand for on this show? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. Have a great weekend.